0: we haven't had the chance to meet. I'm Robbie Itterberg. I'm one of the pastors. And as we move into our message this evening, I'm wondering, what would you do? What would you do if you had to build a robot that could inspect the inside of pipes that are miles long, that can go vertically and horizontally at any intersection you could face up and down, left and right? What would you do And I see some of the looks on your faces. You're like, I don't know. Well, that was what I had to do my senior year in college. That was the task I was given for my senior design project. And so maybe you would do like I did. And that was go and look for the people who were a lot smarter than you to join your group. And so there was a group of us that were... Chat, were tasked with this project and spent the year researching and learning and working together, challenging one another, refining designs, building a prototype, and ultimately, you know, having not really succeeded in the project, but able to graduate. <laughs> but see, there was so much more possible because we were a group. Man, they, the other guys... That were in the group with me, it was only guys, sorry, there just weren't any ladies in my group. That's, um, the other guys, they each brought a different set of skills and perspectives, right? That some were really good in theory, some were amazing in the shop to actually build things, some were great on the computers, some could help edit the actual written work that ended up being a hundred and some pages long at the end of it. Like, there was a whole lot more that could be done and we learned from one another along the way. To groups are powerful forces for growth, for learning, and for work. And so we're going to jump into thinking about groups together. In this next message in our sermon series, and this whole sermon series comes in response to what we believe is God's mandate for us as PCTR. The reason we exist, why we're here, that our elders articulated late last year is this. The reason we're here is con- to connect people to full life in Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. Everything we do, everything we're about, want we want to accomplish that goal. And, and We could spend lots of time unpacking different parts of this because it was really intentional about each element. But one of the big questions probably is what is full life in Jesus Christ? And in short, because we could spend all day and actually lots of days like we did last fall. There was a sermon series we did. If you want to go hear that, you you could listen to that on our YouTube channel. But it's really this. It's abundant and thriving life in every way that God intends. This is what full life in Jesus Christ is. It's relational fullness. It's spiritual fullness. It's emotional and physical and vocational and communal fullness. It is thriving in every way that God wants for us. It's his gift. And so how can we connect to that full life in Jesus Christ? That's what we're tackling in this particular series that we're calling Finding Full Life. It's a three-part series because we, we've come to at least believe that part of the way we connect to this full life is if we are intentional about three particular practices and the more consistently together we put these we do these practices we believe we'll assume a posture that allows us to receive the gift of full life not that we achieve it by doing these things it's not like okay if i do this this and this then bada boom bada bing, thriving in every facet of life i mean that's not what we're we're not saying these are the three steps to fix everything but these practices help us assume a posture of humility that allows us to be open to what God wants to do, to give us this gift of full life in Jesus Christ, because sometimes his idea of full life is not the same as mine. And that's actually part of the gift, as he refines me, and he teaches me, and he reshapes me so that I come to understand full life as the way he understands it. And so last week, we talked about the first practice, and that's gather to worship, where we recognized our need for one another, even in the midst of worship, to inspire one another, encourage one another, so that we will be full participants in giving God the glory and honor that he's due, that we will be drawn into it. We also talked about how we can together spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's agitate one another to live out the purposes that God wants. And we can begin to do that as we gather together in worship. And so you can check that on our YouTube channel as well if you want, if you missed that. But tonight we're talking about growing in groups. This is the next practice that we are being so intentional about. This is the next piece of that strategy is to gather to worship and then grow in groups. And we want everybody to be in a group because in groups, as we're gonna unfold more tonight, we believe this is where powerful growth happens, where God wants to do things in you and through you. And it's going to be an amazing thing as you receive full life in those groups. And so let's jump in to Ephesians chapter 4, as we're going to read, it's, it's a decent chunk of scripture. So I'm going to warn you up front to just kind of work at it. Like if you, it might even help if you need to stand up, like if that's what's going to take to get you to focus, just it's worth it because this is a profound passage of scripture and just invite you to hear God speak to each of us as we dig in together. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And let's pray as we move into this together. Heavenly Father, in this time as we seek to hear your word for us, I just pray that the words of my mouth would be yours. That if anything I say is not from you, that you would just cause it to be forgotten, to fall away so that all that remains is you and you speaking by your Holy Spirit to each and every one of us. Give us that ability to hear, to receive, that we could also receive that gift of full life, in Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we trust and we pray, amen. So that's an exhausting passage to read. Like there's, I think we counted it the other day in our staff meeting. I think there's five sentences in 16 verses. It's very Paul. And so it builds and it builds and it builds. And it's just, it's almost like Paul is so excited to express all of these things that he just, and it's just kind of verbal diarrhea to get it all out. And so we could spend weeks in this passage, weeks and weeks and weeks, and we're not going to do that. And so know that there's going to be pieces here that we're not going to grab onto fully because we're going to zero in on this idea of growing in groups because this passage is really talking about the whole of the church, right? It's talking about there is this unity that we have through the spirit, that we are one body because there's one spirit. We're called together with one hope. That is because we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so we have this unity as the body. And so, the passage in some ways is really about the whole of the church. And so, why would we pick it to start thinking about groups? Well, because in some ways, this passage is like a, a fractal. If you know what a, a fractal is in mathematics, or it's like this picture, if you can imagine, if you've got like a triangle, and maybe I should have brought a picture for you a triangle with that's made up of four triangles. So there would be three triangles facing up and then one triangle facing down. Well, the thing about that pattern is that pattern could repeat and you could make a bigger triangle. And instead of four triangles, you'd have 12 triangles and you could just keep going and going and going. No matter how far out or far in you zoomed, you'd get the same basic shape, same basic pattern. And so because of that, we can take this this passage that's about the whole church and we can start to think about what it looks like on a smaller level, which is so important. Because when you're in a church that is really of a certain size, which ours qualifies, it's important that it becomes smaller. Or else you get kind of lost. You can become just anonymous. Now, some, I understand, you show up in worship because you want to be anonymous. And, And there's lots of reasons for that, and I understand Sometimes it's because you've been hurt in the past and you just need a, a little safe space or it's because you got burned out before and so you need to just pull back and so you need some space and time just to be ministered to and, and, and there are some good reasons. But when, when Paul is talking about what it means to fundamentally be the church and he's talking about a body, he's talking about an intimate connection of relationships Because last I checked, we weren't physically connected to one another. And so there's a spiritual reality, a spiritual connection that is an essential part of what it means to be the church. And we experience that and express that when it starts to get smaller. Yes, it happens big, but it also happens small. And and here's the thing. Every one of us has an important role to play. Every one of us. And even in groups, even in smaller groups, in this passage, Paul said that Jesus gave gave grace to each one, to to each one. And then he goes on to explain what that grace looks like. It's he made some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And and for for today, we won't worry about unpacking what each one of those is. What I want you to know is that when it says each one, that means you. That doesn't mean that it's to be, everything is to be given to you or that you're to receive only from those who are qualified to give it. It's that each one and every one of us has this incredible role to play or else we don't live into what the church is supposed to be about. And so, what, is, what are we to be about? What are, the, what are these groups to be about if we're going to grow in groups? Paul said it this way in verse 12. He said that Jesus gave all of these roles to each one of us to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, there's a lot in there that... We believe groups are so important because this is where you and I are equipped for works of service. That it's gonna happen, you're gonna actually receive tools and training and insight or just courage and encouragement to serve, to use what God has given you to be a blessing to others in the world. And that's gonna happen in groups with one another. How many times have you heard an opportunity to volunteer And you've just let it go by. You don't have to answer it out loud, but, you know, I mean, there were some announcements even earlier today in the service, and, you know, we understand the the reality that, you know, there's lots of opportunities to serve, both in the church, but also outside the church. You probably have plenty of opportunities to serve in, in PTOs and in homeowners associations and all sorts of other places, and how many times have you just kind of let those go by? Well, when you're in a group of people, though, when you're a part of a group, we're more willing to do that. We're more apt to do that. We're equipped to do that. We're more excited to do that. I think one of the reasons why we don't serve as fully as Jesus invites us to is because we don't necessarily feel connected with other people to go serve, right? That that there's like this intimidation factor that if I'm alone, I don't know anybody. I don't know who's going to be there. I don't know if I'm going to be comfortable. It might be scary. I might fail. So you know what? It would be a lot better if I had other people who I knew, man, then we'd go do it, wouldn't we? Remember when I was in high school, we, my basketball team, which was a, an intense group that we spent so much time together we went to, around Thanksgiving, we went and served in a homeless shelter. We served meals, and then we ate the meals with, uh, with some of the folks that came in. And i got to say, it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. i never seen anything like that. And I was overwhelmed, and I, I was intimidated, and I, it was not what I was used to. But having this group of guys to do that with this group, we stepped into something uncomfortable together, and we were able to do it, and we laughed through it, and we shared stories about it later, and we were able to be stretched and grown and do something that served others because we did it together, right? This is part of equipping one another for works of service. Now, some of the equipping could look like actual teaching. You know, somebody might know something, how to do something, and they can pass that knowledge to you and for most of us, we'll learn better in a smaller group to do things than we will in a large setting like this. You know, some of the studies say that, that you'll remember maybe 10% of what I say to you this evening. Maybe. That's a good day. And it doesn't matter how good what comes from the front is. It's just our capacity because we're no longer an audible culture. We're a visual culture that the The way we teach, it's challenging. And so gathering to worship and hear the message is inadequate. It's just not enough. We don't grow enough. We don't learn enough. We don't take on enough. And it's easy to take on simply knowledge and not have it translate to actually become works of service that we were made to do. Because we can learn stuff without doing stuff, can't we? I mean, you might be thinking, yes, isn't that what high school is? You (laughs) learn stuff, but what do you do with it? But in groups, right, we we start to get smaller and we can actually put some of these things into practice. You know, we can learn with and from one another. It's there there's an accountability built in to being in a group that's not the same as, as a large group, a small group. They probably notice when you don't show up. Like if you're one of 8, 10, 12, even 20, people will notice, you know what? I haven't seen them in a while. And it's a lot harder to hide. Maybe you just didn't want to go because it was uncomfortable or because you, know, you didn't really want to go do that service that they were going to do together, whatever it is. But then they have that way of asking you and following up with you and you know, calling you out, holding you accountable. And so there's this reality of being in groups that prepares us to actually go and serve the way God made us to. But it's also not just service because uh, we're supposed to just be do-gooders. God has also another plan and purpose in the midst of being in his body that is is also more for us. So he went on to say, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Oh, man, mature? Really? I mean, immature is a lot, more, a lot easier, isn't it? I mean, maturity means you have to like, start taking responsibility for yourself and how you interact in the world and start to actually think about others and not just you know, what's going on inside of me. But this maturity, it comes as we reach this unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, this isn't talking about just faith in general. You know, groups can help with just faith. They can help you put your faith and, and put some trust more and more in God. But you can also build trust in all sorts of other things. Paul is more concerned not just about faith in general, because there's lots of people that believe in God. He's concerned about unity in the faith. Right? That, that's different than faith. The faith is actually a particular thing. It's the particular core, essential truth of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And he actually spent most of the first part of this passage outlining good chunks of that core. He's concerned. He's concerned that they'll be tossed to and fro, as you heard in the passage, by whatever teaching would come up in the day. Whatever new idea sounded good and compelling, whatever seemed to, you know, suit their fancy or have them excited or whatever it is, he was concerned that they were just going to be tossed about, that they'd lose the faith. And man, we live in a world where there is so much competing information and ideas about how life should work and what's going to be best for you and how you should operate. And really, most of the time, it's really all about focusing on you. And Paul, I think, would be just as concerned that we're going to lose our unity in the faith. You know, teaching matters. Truth matters. Paul's concerned that the truth is going to get lost. And in groups, we can remind ourselves, teach ourselves, go deeper in exploring, discovering, asking questions about the faith. But we want to make sure in our groups that it is the faith. And so at the core of the faith is this, it's the, this doctrine, this teaching of a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who made and created everything on purpose because it made him happy, including you. He made you because it made him happy to make you. But the reality is that though we were made for a loving relationship with God, we all, in the midst of our self-centered living, have turned from him in whatever ways, live for ourselves, live in rebellion, hurt ourselves, hurt other people. This This is what sin is about. But but that one God gives us this one hope, this one faith, because the Son of God took on flesh, right? The Christmas story is unique and important and matters because God entered into your human experience, your suffering, your trial, your pain. He knows what you're going through because he's lived it. He knows what it is to be abandoned and betrayed and hurt and rejected. He knows trial and suffering. He knows laughter and joy. He knows what it is to live in a group as he lived for years with his disciples. He knows. And he offered himself for you. His life in exchange for yours. His perfection in exchange for your rebellion. His death so that you could live and his resurrection so that you could know and I could know that there is no force in heaven or on earth that can hold back the love of God, that he can conquer sin and even death, and that he offers you and me the hope of a new relationship with him, of salvation, of forgiveness of sins, of a new purpose and a new meaning that's no longer based on us, but that can live into his purpose in the world, and that we can become mature and ultimately look and act and be more like Jesus. Now, I understand that for some of you, it's like, yeah, uh uh-huh, duh. But we've got to hold on to this, this core, the faith, this unity of the faith, because this is what's going to lead us to maturity. Because if we don't hold on to the faith, We won't become mature. We'll we'll become whatever it is that we decide we want to be. See, one one of the challenges that we're facing, I think, in the world is the same challenge that was faced way back in history in the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, there's this refrain over and over again. This was thousands of years ago among the people of God before they had kings, where this refrain over and over again would repeat, where the people would, everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. And there was no maturing. There was only self-centered rebellion. And so we, we hold on to this unity of the faith, though, in groups. Because together, it's a lot harder to get off track. It's a lot harder to forget. It's a lot harder to insert my own kind of desire because... If we each try to come to a group and hold our own desire, well, my desire is going to come up against your desire. And so eventually we're not going to see it eye to eye. So there's going to have to be some sort of, course, correction involved. And the intent is it for to be based on this gospel truth that though we are sinners beyond what we really want to have to acknowledge, we are loved by this God who would take on our sin for us. It's the gospel. And so we, then, can become mature. Ultimately, becoming to the full measure, the measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, so how does this happen in groups? I think Paul gives us this answer in verse fifteen. He says, "Speaking the truth in love, we we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ." Speaking the truth in love. You know, it's pretty easy to have blind spots in our lives, isn't it? It's pretty easy to to have things that we don't want to look at, we don't want to have to observe, we don't want to have to actually wrestle with. And part of what groups do for us is if we're in a group where we're building trusting relationships, it creates a context, a place where truth can be spoken, but be spoken in love. I want to acknowledge that you've probably had truth spoken to you, but it was not in love. right? And, and that usually just feels like a ton of bricks, right? It just, it's it, it, sometimes it's to cause harm. Sometimes it's because we want to be right. See, and this is one of the challenges with groups. Because this can be easily become part of, of a group dynamic is that, if we come into it to prove to everybody else we're right and feel like it's my job to fix you because you're broken and I'm right and you're wrong, then there might be a lot of truth spoken. But it's not going to be done in love. See, because love means I have your best interest in mind. I'm seeking your highest and greatest good is what St. Thomas Aquinas, that's how he defined love, to seek the greatest and highest good of the other. And... The truth is important in that, isn't it? Because if I have blind spots, if I have things that I'm doing that are harming me or harming others, and you can see it, but I can't, it's not very loving to not say something. Oh, but you know, it's not really my business. You know, that's your life. Well, right, but this is part of why we form groups. Because in groups, we give give each other permission. We're saying, I'm in this group to be with you because I need you because I can't see all the things in my life. And so the things that you can see, I'm going to need you to point out to me. And I'm going to need you to bring the truth. But, but I'm doing it in this space because I'm going to trust that in this space, we're going to do it in a way that is for to love one another, to build up the body, as Paul said, to lift one another up, to make each other the best version of ourselves that God intends us to be. And so if, if you speak truth to me, I'm going to assume it's because you care about me, not because you care more about you. And so that's to speak the truth in love. And so that happens, though, in groups. It can't really happen in this room, can it? So why we need smaller spaces. We need trusting Relationships. And that forms in groups. But man, more and more and more every study in America for like the last 15 years or more since I started preaching. And every time there's, there's the opportunity to look and try to look at the state of relationships and friendships and, and community in our country. Every single time it's on decline even further and further and further. Every time. To the point that what I, one of the studies I saw as I was thinking about this week was saying that actually in America, most folks that are married now are leaning completely on their spouse as the only person that they are looking to for advice, for support, for comfort, for friendship, that that is the only relationship that they're holding on to. And I mean, this is, this is a tragedy. Because there is no way that one other person can bear the full weight of the challenges and the sinfulness and the hopes of another. And so we need groups. Whether you're married or not, it's to spread out that burden with one another, right? That we can carry it together. It's to spread out my my sinfulness a little bit because you know my wife shouldn't have to carry all of it need some other people to call me out, right? It's it's to spread out the learning and the teaching because I only have so much perspective to offer you, so you need somebody else's perspective because they've got life and experience and a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit within them that might speak a word to you that is exactly what you need now that I have no insight toward. We need one another desperately, and we need to be in these smaller groups with one another or we will not mature to the fullness, the measure of the fullness of Christ. We will be, we'll just be kind of like withered withered plants without really all the nutrients and all the things that we need to grow and thrive. We'll be parched. But, but I want to acknowledge, groups can be challenging. Because as much as we get the benefit of the diverse perspective and opinion and life experience of other people, we also get the diverse perspective and opinion of other people. And sometimes I'm not as interested in that as I should be. Right? Groups can be hard. And they can be uncomfortable. They can be awkward because relationships take some time to form, and there can be conflict because there's disagreement. And so, there's all sorts of reasons perhaps that you have not participated in groups or that you started and pulled out because maybe it was just too much to be known and it was scary and it was vulnerable. Or they let you down, which is going to happen. See, there. There are risks and dangers in having authentic relationships and growing in groups and yet the risk of being isolated and lonely and not having the opportunity to grow to the full measure of Christ in your life is a greater shame than all the dangers because it's actually through the challenges, through the difficulty, through the disagreement, through the conflict that there is maturity, Because that's where we apply the gospel. See, groups have got to have the gospel at the center of them or there is really no hope anyway. Which is why I think Paul begins the entire passage with this admonition. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of it. Bring your whole self into a group. Everything that you can. And then he went on, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Be bearing with one another in love. And that that humility comes from remembering every day the gospel. My own sinfulness and rebellion and failure. (laughs) That you've sinned against me perhaps, or you've sinned against someone else, or they've sinned against you. But it's really not all that much compared to the sin, your rebellion against God. And so maybe there is some space if he can forgive and he can move on. Maybe, maybe you can do the same. And maybe, maybe instead of jumping to conclusions and jumping to condemnation, maybe we can recognize that we're each works in progress. That's why we can bear with one another in love. And that we can patiently correct, gently correct We can speak that truth in love where we can really see and hope for the best and the wholeness and the most for one another. But man, it has to come with the gospel at the center of our heart and our soul and at the center of every single group. And then perhaps we will, as Proverbs encouraged us, we will ponder how to answer. We'll think carefully and thoughtfully and intentionally about how we will respond and interact with one another when we're responding from the place of the gospel. If you're not in a group, I hope you'll get in one. I hope you'll get in one as we begin the go and serve groups, not next week, but the, not this coming week, but the week after. It's a chance to put your foot in the water. It's six weeks together. It's to discover what God wants to do, perhaps in you and through you in this season. Perhaps you'll be there, not because you're going to get a whole lot, but because you have the gifts that are needed right now, because there's other people in the group that need what you have. Or maybe you're going to go and you're going to realize, man, this has been missing in my life and I've longed to share a journey with people, people who want to know the Lord, people who want to serve and bless other people. I just hope that you will will jump into that. And if it's intimidating, if you're like, yeah, but I don't really know anybody and and so I'm I'm a little afraid about getting involved with people I don't really know, then bring some folks you do know. Invite them. Because they could be sitting there going, I don't know anybody and I'm afraid that I'll be the only one and they'll be thinking exactly what you're thinking. And if you invite them, it might be like, yes, we can do this together. Together in groups. We can equip one another for works of service. We can experience the unity in the faith growing in our depth of knowledge and understanding of God who loves you so much through Jesus Christ. And we can mature to the measure of the fullness of Christ where our lives then start to look more and more like his where we experience the fullness of life in Jesus Christ. I hope that you will embrace the opportunity to grow in groups. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we hear the invitation, you've, you've called us to be a part of a body, a part of a community of, of knit relationships with one another, and yet we acknowledge we've been hurt in relationships, and it hasn't always worked out. And so we recognize that we're reticent, we're busy, we, we have just so much going on, and Lord, will you just move within our lives? Show us how. Show us how we can experience the the kind of community and relationships, friendships that we need so that we can grow and mature, so that we can be equipped the way you want us to be equipped, so that we can be a people filled to the fullness of life that comes from you. Lord God, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.